Good morning. Are y'all nice and warm? You notice it's nice and warm in here? <laughs> Since I'm speaking, they set the atmosphere for me. So for those of you that are usually freezing, you're really, really thrilled. But those of you that are hot natured are like, dear God, like my husband, you're probably like, it's hot in here. But I love it. I feel very comfortable. And so I'm excited. I'm going to be speaking with to you today. Um, I have the privilege and honor of doing that today, and I consider it such a great, great honor. I am going to go ahead and open up with prayer. They gave me a sweat rag, y'all, just in case, just in case I need, oh, here you go. <laughs> so, Father, we just thank you for this beautiful day. Father, you have made today. God, you make every day. And Lord, we are so blessed that every day is a gift from you, God. Father, we just pray that you would just continue to be with us today. We thank you for your sweet, sweet presence of the Holy Spirit that is here in this place. And I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me, that you would give me the words, and that you would help me to communicate clearly and effectively what you have just placed on my heart this week. God, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I grew up in the church. I've probably said this many, many times, but I grew up in the church and, you know, there's something that has been very different now from then. I like to look back on how things have changed. But when I was younger, you know, you would hear about pray for this person, pray for healing for that person. This person has this need or financial provision or whatever, but you hardly ever heard anyone needing prayer for mental or emotional health if you think back. In fact, at least for me, I never hardly ever heard of that. Um, at least for me, when I look back, there was one specific time. I remember it so clearly because it was just one person and I remember her face and I remember someone saying, she's really struggling mentally. She's, she's really unstable mentally and, and um, she needs prayer. And it was just one person. But now today, it's very prevalent in our society. Everyone has this emotional issue or that um, mental problem. Um, it's very, very prevalent. And I started thinking about how it's just such a battle over the mind today in this time and age. And it's just really been increasing over the years. And so when I was preparing this message, many of you came to mind not because you're cray-cray, no, but, but because I know the struggles and the things that you have been dealing with. And I know we're in this prosperity series, right, where we're talking about the generous life. But, you know, John 3, 3 John says that he wants us to prosper in all things, even as our soul prospers in all things. And so today... Yes, I want you to prosper financially. I want you to have everything that you need, and God wants you to have that as well. But he wants us to prosper even emotionally, even mentally, even physically. And so I want to talk about that today. But we have to be careful that we don't equate spiritual maturity and prosperity with riches and possessions, and also that we don't equate it with poverty. You know, true prosperity is about the totality of our world and the life that we build with him. 
So this morning, I'm going to talk about the importance of emotional and mental health and how that really affects our prosperity and success. Here's the thing. We can be prosperous emotionally and mentally. We can be prosperous emotionally and mentally. I'm going to let you remain sitting for our text today, and it's Joshua 1, 5 through 9. I love this text. I've just been absorbing it this past week. But it says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law, what is he talking about? He's talking about the word. The book of the law was the word that was given to Moses for the people at that time. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. He didn't say, I, your God, will make your way prosperous. He said, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and very courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Here, Joshua is getting the baton from Moses. Moses has passed away. The first uh, generation of Israelites has left Egypt. They've been wandering, um, looking for the promised land. They've passed away. They've already passed away, and they haven't seen the promised land, the first generation of Israelites. Did you hear what I said? They did not see the promised land but God keeps his promises. So if God keeps his promises, how did they not get to see the promised land? Joshua's received the baton from Moses and he's leading the next generation of Israelites to the promised land. Have you ever wondered why you haven't seen God's promises? in your life? I have wondered. God, you keep your promises. I hear that all the time. God keeps his word. He keeps his promises. Why am I not seeing this in my life? I heard it explained this way. God fulfills all his promises, but he's not obligated to fulfill our potential. (laughs) The Israelites were steps away from the land promised to them. They even went in, right? They sent in some scouts to go scout out the land. They went in to check it out, and they were like, oh, my God, this is the promised land. It's full of milk and honey. It's so prosperous. All the riches, everything we could ever need is in this promised land that God has given us. But there are giants. And in our eyes, not in God's eyes, the key word, in our eyes, we are grasshoppers to them. 
They went in, they saw how abundant, they saw God's promise. They were steps from God's promise. God told them it was theirs. Excuse me. He brought them to it, but they allowed fear and unbelief to disqualify them from partaking of it. Have you ever been guilty of saying, ah, if it will be, it will be. If it's meant to be, it will happen. If God has this for me, he'll make sure that it takes place. If God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. I've been guilty. I've been guilty of saying that so many times in my life. But I have to tell you that that's, that's nothing but false belief. It's, it's laziness on our part. You know, we love to quote scripture that says, my daddy owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He's going to come through for me. But nowhere in his word does it say, go sit on the couch in your living room and wait for the knock on the door because he's going to deliver cattle to you. It doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, we wish it did, right? We we, we, want to believe in that miracle working power that just poof and everything is okay. Some of us are saying, but I thought God did it. I thought he does these things for me. He does them. No, he gives us the tools that lead to prosperity and success in our life. So my first point this morning is that it is our responsibility to continuously exercise faith in whatever God has promised. Look at your neighbor and say, it's my responsibility. If we look back, at that word, he says, he specifically says, for you will make your way prosperous and you will succeed. You make your own success. You make your own prosperity. He told the Israelites, go in to the land that I promised. What is God telling you to do to get to your promised land? What is he instructing you to do? God always keeps his promises. But there is a point when he expects us to exercise faith in taking the promise. We cannot afford to allow fear and unbelief to keep us from his promises. So many of you came today prepared to sacrificially give to God. I want to encourage you that in the days to come to exercise your faith in what he has promised you. Exercise your faith in what he is he has already said to you. It's easy on a day like today to exercise our faith, right? We're here together as a body. Faith is just contagious. But in the days to come, when the bills are rolling in and the cupboards are empty and my health is declining and I don't have the energy to fight, that's the moment that our faith is truly tested. And that's the moment where we have to exercise our faith. Pastor Trey said during first service at one point, it's God and me, and then it will be. I love that. I love it. It's not just God, make it happen for me. It's God and me, and then it will be. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to lead us in exercising our faith. What does that look like? What is he asking me to do? Point number two, prosperity and success begin on the inside. In order to exercise our faith, we have to look on the inside. It begins with our emotional and mental health. 
I don't know about you, but when I'm feeling emotionally unstable or mentally just not in the best place, that is not the time frame that I'm going to define myself as being strong and courageous. It's just not going to be a definition in my world at that point. If I see someone that's emotionally struggling, I'm not going to go, wow, that's a strong and courageous person right there. Like he keeps saying in his word over and over and over, be strong and courageous. But how do we do that when the cupboards are empty? How do we do that when the bills are not lining up with what's coming in? How are we strong and courageous when our health is declining and I don't have the energy to fight? How do we do that? Have you ever been so anxious that you stayed up all night long and you're just mulling that thing, that problem, that situation over and over and over in your head, just tossing and turning and tossing and turning? Two of us, raise your hand, raise your hand. Yes, probably, I mean, almost all of us, right? I would think at some point in our life, I know for me more than, more than a few times, I have um, woke up and just been anxious and not been able to sleep. The good thing is, is that we all know what it means to meditate. The problem is we have to learn to meditate on the right things. That's meditation, mulling that thing over again and again and again. So how are we strong and courageous? God gives us tools in his word that help us to be able to step into prosperity and success. And that tool that he gives us is meditation. My third point is that we must meditate on his word day and night. You know, meditation has become a really popular thing to do in our society. You hear that meditate, you know, the sit like this and you're, you know, it's just become like this thing. Um, Western meditation is intellectual. Eastern meditation requires us to empty our minds and thoughts. And let me just tell you, you need to be careful with that because an empty mind, empty thoughts leaves lots of room for the enemy to come in and wreak havoc in your life. Biblical meditation is neither one of those things. Biblical meditation is probably one of the most neglected area of Christianity in our country. Biblical meditation. But yet we are called and commanded to do this. The definition of meditation is to reflect, to moan, to mutter, to ponder, to sigh, to contemplate or meditate as one repeats the words, unlike English meditation, which is mental only. In Hebrew thought, to meditate on scriptures is to quietly repeat in a soft uttering sound while abandoning outside distractions. From this comes a Jewish type of prayer called davening. So whenever the Jews would pray, they called it a davening and they would rock back and forth in a very repetitive motion, just like repeating things and their bodies would just would rock back and forth. This is from Dick Mills in his word study book. I want to tell you today that it is possible to be just as wealthy on the inside as Bill Gates is on the outside. God has given us tools. He's given us instruction that leads to prosperity and success. Psalms 127.2 says this, he provides for his beloved even while he sleeps. So I would take a scripture like Psalms 127.2. If I'm really lacking in provision, I would take that scripture 
and I would meditate. And what that would look like is I would repeat that scripture over and over and over again. I'd write it on a note card. I'd stick it on my bathroom mirror where I'm reading it constantly. But I don't just read it mentally. I say it out loud. I want the enemy to hear what I'm doing. And I would repeat it over and over and over again. And then I would place myself in that scripture. I would say, God, I'm your beloved. Thank you for providing for me even while I'm sleeping. Thank you, God, that you are so proud that I work hard for you. I I do work hard for you, but God, while I'm resting, you're still working for me. Thank you for working and providing for me even while I'm sleeping. Thank you that, that your provision is abundant, God, and that I don't lack in any area. And this is how I begin to meditate on that scripture over and over and over. We have to participate with what God is saying. You know, people say all the time, I want to know what the Father's doing. I want to know what he's saying. If you want to know Jesus, what did Jesus do? Jesus always did and said what the Father did. So if you want to know what the Father's doing, you need to begin to do and say what he's already done in your life. Start repeating what he has already said. We are inundated with words everywhere we go in our culture and society. And it affects how we think. It affects how we feel. It affects what we believe, whether we want to believe that or not. Especially if we're not in the word of God, we're adopting cultural beliefs, like left and right. We're just saying, yep, that sounds good to me. sounds true. We can easily turn off the television, but we go to school, we go to the grocery store, we're reading, we're reading, we're absorbing, we're absorbing the things of culture. And if we're not careful, we adopt them as truths in our life. Meditating on his word keeps me sane. It makes me come alive. I feel alive especially when there's like things spinning around me in my world. Meditating on his word is what makes me get up again the next morning. It's what causes me to be able to rest deeply at night. Nothing changes my perception like meditating on his word. It begins to, to change how I think, what I see, what I'm feeling, what I believe. And this is why it's so, so important. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. My students at school, I have them memorizing scripture. And I know sometimes they're like, dear God, because we don't just memorize one little verse. We memorize chapters. And so they'll memorize maybe a verse or two for the week. But when they come back the next week, they have to remember the verse or two from the previous week and then the next verse because by the end of um, us memorizing that portion of scripture, they're quoting the whole chapter to me. What are they doing? They are meditating on scripture. They are repeating it over and over and over. And you know what? They might not need it right now, (laughs) but I'm gonna tell you someday they're gonna need it. And guess what? It's gonna be right here on the inside and it's gonna spring up and it's gonna be their life-saving source. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. This chapter is a chapter my students have memorized. 
Yeah, come on up here, Lily. Come on. And Lexi, come on. Yes, you do. Come on. Hurry up. Psalms 1. left part of that chapter off, but that's pretty incredible. They know the whole thing. The ungodly are not so. Remember? They are like chaff that the wind. Yeah. Yep. They they have learned chapters and chapters. This was one that they learned a while back. They're learning a different one right now. And I think it's like 20-something verses in that chapter. And they're like, do you know how many verses? I'm like, yep. And you need every one of them. And so... So this says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. What is his law? The word of God. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Have you ever noticed how in an area where there's drought, like it can just be a drought for long periods of time, you'll see trees by the river and it's like they're not even affected at all. They don't know there's a drought. Like every other tree is all withered and dry, but those trees planted right there by the river continue to flourish. Why is that? It's because the roots have tapped into deep into that river. You know, some, some people during a drought are affected, but then there are others that have tapped into the river and they're not affected. It's like they, they're not even, it, it just doesn't touch them. Why is that? It's because the roots are, are deeply rooted and they have meditated on the word of God. Meditation is an ongoing experience with God. What are you meditating on? Is it drawing you into mental and emotional health or is it drawing you into emotional and mental heaviness and weightiness? Because there's so many things in this world that are drawing on our emotions and our mental health. So many things. And sometimes we choose them, right? A couple years ago, I um, started watching this show called The Walking Dead. Don't judge me. (laughs) Some of you are like, I watch that show now, and that's fine. You might be able to do that. But I was watching that show, and I was recording it, and I was putting it on repeat and playing the the episodes, and I couldn't wait to watch and see what was going to happen next. I love survival kind of shows. Like, that's the storyline for me is what was really incredible. A lot of the other stuff, I would just be like, oh, I don't want to see that. But it was still there, right? I was still absorbing that. And I began to notice how I felt after I was watching those episodes. And I have to tell you, they increasingly got more and more evil, just yuck. And I began to just feel this heaviness and this weight after I would watch one of those shows. And I would go to bed and um, I really just felt like it was affecting me emotionally and mentally. And I started paying attention 
to how I felt. And I thought, you know, I'm not feeding my soul good stuff right now. I'm choosing this junk to feed my soul with, and it's just not helping me out. And so I began to shut that off and change. It completely changed how I was feeling. It's important to pay attention to what we're meditating on. In conclusion today, to be strong in this hour is going to take more than a few devotionals during the week. I I think devotionals are important. I think it's important that we read God's word. But we're not called just to read his word and just to have a few devotionals here and there. He says to meditate. And meditate requires some action on our part. Psalms 1 says meditate day and night. Not being able to sleep at night will mess up anyone's daily activities. I don't care who you are. I, I, over and over and over again, you ask someone, what's wrong? You just seem down. What's going on? Oh, I just, I couldn't sleep last night. I just couldn't sleep. I'm just exhausted. It affects everything, your outlook, everything the next day. If you find yourself unable to sleep, plan to wake up with a purpose. Place your Bible, your journal, your devotional next to your bed. His word is a source of mental health for us. This is so near and dear to me. Psalms um, 63.6 says, David said, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. This year, I don't know if it's just because I've become more aware. I don't, I'm sure God has woke me up my whole life and I've probably ignored nine out of the 10 times that he was trying to get my attention. But I have made it a priority that if I get woke up in the middle of the night, it's because God wants to talk to me. He has something to say, and I want to hear what he's going to say. And can I just tell you that when I wake up in that kind of mind frame, I go and visit with him. I'm prepared. I have my devotion, my Bible, um, my journal, everything I need. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm, I'm wide awake. What do you have to say to me? And every single time what he has had to say has been so profound. It has been food to my soul. So I encourage you that if you find yourself waking at night to wake up with purpose. Because I guarantee you, if it's the enemy waking you up and you start meditating on the word of God, he's going to wake you up a lot less. He's going to be like, "Mm -mm, I'm letting her sleep tonight. He is not going to get his sleep interrupted because he's going to spend time with Jesus. I'm just saying, if it's him, he's going to stop waking, waking you up. David says, I consider your works in the night hours. Some Christians believe this, and I, I do too, that the late night or pre-dawn hours are a special time to connect with God. Jesus appeared to the disciples walking on the sea in the fourth watch of night. Jacob wrestled with an angel at night. Peter was miraculously freed from prison in the middle of the night. Samuel's name was called four times in the middle of the night. David wrote Psalms in the middle of the night, and I could go on and on and on. Why would God not be waking you up in the middle of the night? He wants to meet with you. Miracles are going to take place in the middle of the night. Sometimes he just wants that one-on-one intimate time with you and me. That one-on-one intimate time, not with everybody watching, just you and him where you can be real and raw. And he can say, this is what's going on, Carrie. This is what you're not seeing. Sometimes he has to wake us up in the middle of the night so that we get it. But we have to be ready and we have to be aware.
We have to have a history with God and his word. We have to contemplate his goodness and mercy and even in the night watch hours meditate. If you think about your favorite Bible stories in the Bible, most of them didn't occur at a picnic. Usually there's a battle, there's some kind of storm, there's some kind of trouble, some kind of hardship. We are called overcomers and more than conquerors for a reason. <clears throat> but it's not because we have successfully navigated the times of blessing. Biblical meditation is the key to finding our own way to success and our own way to prosperity. But we have to partner with him. We have to partner with him. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, God. And I just ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you birth a desire in us to meditate on your word day and night. God, if you wake us up at night, we're gonna wake up refreshed because of our visitation with you. Your desire is that we prosper in all things and be in health as our soul prospers. So Father, we just, we just say right now that we are going to choose to meditate on your word, Father. We are gonna meditate on your word. Lord, I, in preparing this message, you began to show me different faces here in our church. And I just believe God that in the night watch hours, there are gonna be miracles taking place, very specific miracles in your people. And so God, we just claim that right now. We just thank you, Lord. And we just say that we are aware, we are awake, and we are ready. In Jesus' name, amen.